0: my name is Emily White and I'm the author and host of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. Welcome to the debut introduction mini episode. Um, I'm really, really excited to be recording this podcast and frankly, I'm really proud of this book and this project. It's very much my life's work in the music industry. So I just wanted to take a few minutes to share a little bit about my background and uh, why I wrote this book and um, my vision for this podcast to hopefully set you up um, for this journey of creating a sustainable uh, music career and collecting all revenue streams for yourself. So as I mentioned, my name is Emily White. I'm a longtime entrepreneur in the music industry I'm a founding partner at Collective Entertainment in New York City and Los Angeles, where uh, we manage musicians and athletes. We also do consulting and digital and social media campaigns. Um, I've definitely been known as a manager in my career, and that's certainly the foundation for this book and how I figured out how to do a lot of this stuff. But like I said, I do consider myself an entrepreneur first and foremost. Um, I'm also the founder of Hashtag I Voted and the Hashtag I Voted Festival. Um, we'll actually talk a little bit about that in not the next episode, but the episode after that, which is chapter one, which not to be too confusing because the next episode will be the foreword of the book. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak at honestly, like almost every music business conference, uh, in the world. Um, I've kind of been at the forefront of, I guess, you know, what I consider the modern music industry, certainly the, the shift to digital. Um, and I've, you know, tried out basically every new platform I could find, um, because I was interested in it. Um, new platform as far as, uh, tools that can help artists and to help my clients over the years um i've been working in the music industry my entire life or my entire adult life rather and uh you know i got into music because i love because i love it <laughs> i mean i know that goes without saying i work with students all the time and um you know that's definitely the the driving force but you know i i always came at it from the perspective of supporting and helping artists because that's why we're all here in the music industry. There's no music industry without it. Um, I've always thought I'm kind of a unique age where technically I'm a millennial, but I skipped a grade. So I'm also kind of Gen X and influenced by, you know, friends, older siblings and things like that. And what I mean is I've always been... I'm old enough that I remember like buying CDs and even vinyl, you know, and and stuff in in the 80s. I mean, not me, but my parents. Um, But I'm young enough that I've always been fluent with technology. So I've always kind of straddled these worlds of, um, I feel like I can communicate the old world and translate it into into where we are now. But um, look, at the end of the day the music industry was set up decades ago to confuse artists. And I'm talking about in like the 1950s. Um, and, and really, you know, those, those business practices, uh, which we'll talk about, um, you know, continued on basically until the digital era, they were really set in stone as, as precedent, which, you know, we've definitely had amazing voices over the years, um, you know, Prince, Fugazi, Ani DeFranco, Janet Jackson, you know, speaking out about uh, artists owning their rights. Um, Taylor Swift is still talking about it. We we may or may not talk about that. Um, I'm I'm sure we probably will. But my point is, uh, on speaking at these conferences and giving you some historical context, uh, I feel that the information in this book and in this podcast is actually out there. I've just never seen it put in order from creation to execution or recording to release. Um so that's exactly why I wrote this book. Um I didn't set out to be an author even though this is my second book. My first book is called Interning 101 and that also has a accompanying podcast. Um but similar to that first book, I felt a really inherent need to get this information out to you all. Um I'm originally from Milwaukee and I don't even have to post that I'm there. Um, it just could be, you know, Thanksgiving or something and non-pandemic times. And I have, you know, local musicians hitting me up, wanting to buy me coffee and pick my brain. And so I've had these conversations like countless times uh, with artists on, you know, what I think they need to be doing. And, uh, you know, I, I remember sitting down with a band once. A Milwaukee band who drove to New York city, but that's another so don't drive to New York city from, from Milwaukee. There's, there's normally enough flights, but, um, and I met with them for like an hour and I gave them my thoughts on everything they were doing. And I just felt like in my head, I was like, okay, is that enough? Cause like they, they drove, you know, a third of the way across the country and they had the same response that everyone has after I finished talking to them or after every musician does where it was like, oh my gosh, we have, we have to get to work. We have, we have a lot to work. To, we have a lot of work to do. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the point of this book. Um, I didn't feel like people should have to know me personally or work with me or have access to me or whatever to have access to this information in this manner. And again, it's like the reason this stuff is never presented in order isn't totally anyone's fault. Um, I've definitely brought this up at conferences and, you know, the answer is always like, oh, well, like the publishing person couldn't come until the last day and the PR person could only come the first day. So, um, yeah, that that's understandable. But, um, again, it, because this industry was set up decades ago to confuse artists, um, I feel like that would be like trying to teach a kid, uh, multiplication and division before you teach them addition and subtraction. That's going to be really difficult for the educator to communicate, um, and, and really difficult for the student to understand. Although I've since been told that in Japan, they learn multiplication and division before addition and subtraction. So that is very cool. But I think you get what I'm saying is that if, if something was built to be confusing, if you're teaching it out of order, um, you know, that's just going to be really difficult knowledge to, to pass along, you know, especially throughout all these decades and, you know, about something that is so pure and precious to so many of us, which is which is music. Um, the other, you know, half of this book's title is uh, um, and collect all revenue streams. And that's because I was sick of taking on national acts at collective entertainment and finding money for them, um, which on one hand, that's definitely part of a manager's job, no doubt. Um, but on the other, if that's happening to artists that everyone's heard of, then what about everyone else? Um, so yeah, so we'll get into this later on in the podcast and and book, but I literally, um, I wrote, well, I wrote a revenue stream checklist of all of the revenue streams. Basically you're missing out on if you are not collecting on them and you are writing and recording your own music. Um, and then I also have bonus revenue streams, things that I, that you can be doing or, um, are not necessarily like guaranteed, you know, revenue, like sync revenue and, and things like that. Um, and I also created a revenue stream, uh, spreadsheet. That's a Google spreadsheet link I'll, I'll share on this podcast and I'll share it's, it's shared in the book, um, where basically, because I I did this for our artists, basically, like, we had an artist that we took on who had a lot of debt. Um, Her label was spending a lot. There was a lot spent on touring. I mean, it's just the classic, like, maybe I'm being too inside baseball here, but it's just the classic, like, put it on the music business credit card and hope it works out. And that's, like, the opposite of building a sustainable, you know, music career. Like, I I was going to say even when, but almost like especially when you have someone else paying for something, like that's almost the time to be even cheaper, frankly, or even more mindful or, you know, doing, doing and spending on things that make sense, you know, not just like, okay, we're spending five grand a month on a publicist, like now we'll be huge. Like we will get into that <laughs> in the marketing and, and PR chapter. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, we, we inherited this artist. Uh, she had a lot of debt. She lived in New York city. Her rent was expensive. Um, and I, I was concerned about that rent and just kind of literal sustainability. So I, I put together a Google spreadsheet so she could literally project, um, here is the guaranteed money or projected money, but you could project it based, based on real numbers, which we'll get into. Um, here is, you know, here's the money you'll be making for the next, like every month, you know, and for the next year. Um, she said no one had ever done that before. I, I'm not saying that to, you know, for any particular reason more so that um, the whole point of creating that Google spreadsheet and sharing it with you all is so this can feel like a good job or a good job, <laughs> a, um, a real job in in a good way, which um, I, you know, like I've said multiple times already, I'm an entrepreneur. I get it. It is awesome when I get a chunk of money and I can just focus on, you know, making this podcast for you and creating the things that I want to see in the world. Um, But that's not really a sustainable way to build a, you know, career as an entrepreneur or a musician. So anyway, so we'll get into all of that. Um, I gave you a little bit um on my background and and why we're why we're doing this book in podcast. Um, I am gonna take you through each chapter uh, uh of the book as a podcast episode. Um for the most part, we will have a guest um, you know, for each episode, but um uh, we'll also see how it goes, you know. Like I asked, I thought of Image and Heap for the recording chapter. Um she uh, was the first woman to win uh, the engineering Grammy uh, at the Grammys. Um, but it's like, why am I just limiting myself to talking to Imogen about one thing, right? Like I want to take her through the whole chapter of the book. So we'll see. Um, it'll be roughly, you know, like I said, roughly one uh, episode per chapter, take, you know, hopefully bringing the book to life through um, guests, you know, artists, industry folks, people... I respect and admire and, um, you know, platforms that I think uh, can help you to have a sustainable music career. So, um, yeah, that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. One other thing that I mentioned in the introduction of this book is that, you know, this book isn't necessarily like pro music industry or anti-music industry. Um, I mean, personally, I'm really obsessed with artists owning their recording rights in particular. Um, That doesn't mean I'm against it if someone wants to pay enough money. (laughs) But again, you know, I said maybe we'd talk about this, maybe we won't. I guess we are. Uh, You know, how does Taylor Swift feel about that, right? Like, um, you know, she signed her master rights away and now she's upset that she did that. Um, but at the same time, I'm a music industry person, right? So I, I don't think I'm totally anti-myself. On one hand, in in my experience, the people that are, quote, still in music as it's shifted from physical to digital, like, are in it for the right reasons, um, or we can't imagine doing anything else. Um, it is weird. I have to be honest, like, as I teach and educate and and. I didn't have the most informed opinions all the time, you know, when I was a young undergrad. But it's just it's just really important to talk through this stuff. And again, I maybe it's a bias that I feel like everything should center around the artist because we don't have music without them, <laughs> let alone a music industry. But I guess I'm trying to say I, I do meet – and I hate to say that it's young people. I, I do meet young people that – Um didn't necessarily enter the industry to help artists and like that's a pretty harsh way to say it but because I, I think it's harsh because they may not they don't have all the information right um they may just be doing what what they think <laughs> they should be thinking or doing i, I i'm hesitating cuz i was i was on a i was on the swim team in college and um i was uh I was in college when Napster came out and the guy that, um, accidentally, <laughs> I don't know, I founded Napster, uh, actually went to my university at, at Northeastern. And I, and I guess I was really anti that, uh, I was really anti Napster when, when it started. Um, I, I don't, I guess I remember that. I, I mentioned the swim team part because my college coach brought that up. Like, I don't know not recently but certainly not back then um where you know hindsight's 2020 20, but you know looking back on it maybe we should have like not sued fans as an industry um maybe we should have embraced technology and not you know fought it um but yeah so my point is is like i i have my personal beliefs that's definitely woven throughout that i think we're here because of artists as, as far as music and music industry stuff goes. But I, I I really hope you understand like this book isn't pro or anti music industry because there's so many great people that that want to help you. Um, or hopefully there are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they're all buying this book too, is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and and that's something I'm going to teach you is is knowing who your audience are. I mean, I, I Google all of you <laughs> when, when you buy it directly. And I'm just, I don't even have to because I can see the huge, you know, management company email address domains that are are buying this book and making sure that that, that they're not missing any revenue streams either. So we're all learning and and growing together. Um, but like I said, I, you know, I felt like I was explaining this information over and over. So hopefully it's in concise book and now podcast and at some point, audiobook um, format uh, to help you out. And I, I do have to say like, this book was released in March of 2020, which I think, um, we all remember very clearly. That's when the world shut down. And, um, so on one hand that could be like, you know, worst release date ever. And, and I was totally on my own with this book. Um, you know, I was, am technically with a publisher. Um, the founder of the publishing company didn't have time to read this manuscript before it was out. That was really, hard for me emotionally. Um, a few other people also didn't have time. Um, maybe you'll be in that situation <laughs> where you want, you know, you're so proud of these demos you made or something and and you want to share it with some, I mean, I, you know, maybe listening to music's a little bit easier, but I mentioned all that because like, I was really on my own with this book. Um, even with some of the editing process, you know, I thought the publisher was going to help with that. Um, it turns out they didn't, it would kind of be like, if you, Made an, al- made an album or were producing an album and you weren't planning on mixing it like someone else was going to pay for it or something and then that plan fell apart or whatever and you're like well I got okay like I, I can swear on podcasts right like fuck it I gotta mix it right and like I'm not an editor I'm not a mixing engineer so I edited this thing like 10 times um which was r- really a painful process but um I'm saying all this because like you do what it takes, right? And I and again to go back to the March 2020 release date, like this book has become a number one Amazon bestseller with like no help. <laughs> no, no, I mean no help other than you all. Um, you know, I would have been fine if it helped one musician. Um, but the fact that I see so many artists posting about it, tagging other artists, sharing the information just really, really warms my my heart and soul. Um so, again, with, like, the release date thing and COVID, which will definitely be, you know, a theme throughout this podcast, um, you can release things when when times are wild. Like, don't, you know, don't put out a press release on September 11th, which is, like, a real story that someone wanted to, like, I mean, a press release about music. Um, maybe I'll tell that story. Maybe I won't. But, um Yeah. I mean, it was the first time in my life I would like look to see what was trending before I would post something. Um, Cause it's just like, okay, like what musician died today? You know, like it was just, it was so wild, but um, I think all of us learned, you know, how to adapt. And um, I, I truly feel that the most effective messaging is um, being authentic, being genuine, being yourself and so, yeah, I think one of the first things I posted was um, I was on Ariel Hyatt's podcast, um, who I'm going to ask to be on this podcast. Hopefully, you'll say yes, Ariel. Um, and we taped it a few months before it aired. And so the, I think my first post was like, hey, want to pretend it's a few months ago? Like, check out Arielle and I on this podcast. So anyway, I mentioned this stuff. And again, you all went through it, too. Um, we certainly had artists releasing, you know, music. That weren't comfortable releasing music when, you know, like citizens are being murdered in the streets and, you know, everything that we we witnessed in 2020. Um, but we also saw a lot of people come together and, you know, donate money to the ACLU and Southern Poverty Law Center and Black Lives Matter. And um, that's really beautiful, you know, because then this, this art can bring joy to fans and these fans can uh, contribute to these these really crucial, important causes that that help and affect all of us. So, um, so that's why I wrote this book. <laughs> um, you know, I, and again with the industry stuff, like I'm on panels all the time, and like I, you know, I see industry people like nodding their heads, yes. So if you want to work with So you know, like if you want traditional team members on your team, which is actually the last chapter of this book, we will get there. They actually are expecting you to build all this stuff up on your own um, because these tools are available. And like I said, before they come in and then hopefully help you further. But again, I'm seeing a lot of these industry people buy this book. So like we're all kind of in this boat. Together, which I'm not saying to like freak you out, you know. If you have an if you have industry people working with you, uh, more so that's just like, you know, um, I want to empower you. You know, like I want to explain this stuff in a way that that you understand. If if I was able, if I'm able to figure it out, then then you are, because you know, I bought Don Passman's book when I was 14 years old or whatever at at the mall in Wisconsin. And now Don Passman's a guest on this podcast. Yay. (laughs) But, um, this, uh, but I, I found his book super confusing, uh, when I, when I was a smart teenager. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, and that was, that was pre-digital era for sure. So hopefully we can break this stuff down further to you, uh, for you, um, based on my experiences, you know, I'm going to share what works, what doesn't. And, um, yeah, the secret to building a, a sustainable music career and, and collect all revenue streams. I'll just tell you that secret right now um, in, in Cliff's Notes version. Um, you know, what are the most valuable technology companies in the world? They, well, I just gave it away. What are the most valuable companies in the world? They are technology companies. And why? They have our data, right? They have our email addresses. They have our phone numbers. They have our location, um, we as music industry people and musicians tend to just give this data and information um, to these companies. So, um, you know, that's why many of us have preached for years, you know, it's, it's really crucial and, and we'll have many examples of this but, um, for you to be building up your email list, you know, like communicating directly with your audience, um, you know, through email, through text message, because social media is a great tool, um, which we'll definitely get into, but, um, you know, what happens if you, uh, built your career on MySpace, right. Or Friendster, if you're old enough to remember that. Um, I've said for years, it's like Facebook might go away and that, you know, that sounded like impossible. And now it's like, you could see, you know, something like that getting broken up or, or we've all seen, you know, algorithms change and and platforms change. So um, yeah, so the CliffsNotes version is collect as much fan data as possible. In particular, email addresses, uh, phone numbers for text message clubs and the location of your fans, um, both for, you know, post COVID touring, but also like, it's awesome to know where your fans are, right? Like maybe you have a bunch of fans in some cool country and you could cover a song from that country or I don't know. There's, there's a lot of creative ways to, to, um, engage with folks, uh, you know, per the data, when you, when you know a little bit more about them, which maybe that sounds creepy, but, um, I don't know. I, 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 I'd like to think you all are going to use that information in a less creepy way than, um, you know, a multi-billion dollar tech company. So um, thank you. I'm I'm super excited. Uh, I've been meaning to do this podcast all year, uh, but I created the largest digital concert in history instead, and I voted. So um, thanks for waiting. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm really excited to help you build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams um, and that's the case whether you are eleven years old and starting your career or you are 80 years old and looking at, you know, a lifetime of of recordings that um you want to make sure you're not missing revenue on and, and that you're maximizing on. So um I'm gonna take you through a track that that covers all of that. And um, if you have any questions, hit me up. Uh, I'm at EM on social media. I would say Twitter is best. Um but yeah, so that's a wrap for this introduction episode of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. Um, I'm your host, author Emily White, and uh, yeah, hopefully you have an idea of where we're going to take you. And um, really looking forward to uh, the next episode, which will be uh, the foreword to the book, um, and it's going to be the original interview I did with the one and only Zoe Keating, um, who wrote the forward of the book um but didn't really have time uh which we'll get into she's a single single mom and um just has a you know phenomenal career um so I interviewed her instead and then basically transcribed that so um yeah so I'm going to share some of that interview with you in the forward episode and uh, I think we'll have Justin Vernon of Bon Iver after that and um yeah we'll just keep rolling so Thank you so much. I'm su- again. I'm super excited about this podcast. Um, my deepest thanks to the incredible Matthew Wong um, for your beautiful podcast music. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you on the next episode.